Star Wars 7x7 episode 3212. The return is the season finale of season 3 of The Mandalorian, and we're going to do our 7 takeaway breakdown for you today. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So yes, I should preface this by saying I know there are criticisms out there about this episode in specific and the season in general, and I have some too, to be perfectly honest with you. But I want to start off by doing our 7 Takeaway Breakdown episode and focus on some you know, very positive things, at least to get our conversation started. For one thing, let's talk about Grogu. The last time that Grogu had anything to do with Moff Gideon, he was throwing stormtroopers around a prison cell and force choking them, which was definitely something that looked like it was sending Grogu toward the dark side of the force. And <laughs> dark side Grogu, it seems like a pretty fearsome thing. Well, the time that he spent with Luke Skywalker seems to have done him well. Last episode, we saw him separate the fighting Axe, Woves, and Paz Vizsla, and Bo-Katan tried to give credit to Din, but Din said, you know, he didn't learn that from me, so he must have learned it from Luke Skywalker. And in this final episode, we see him using the Force for knowledge and defense and not for attack, a very Jedi way of doing things. He's force-pushing Praetorian guards away from Din. He's force-pushing weapons away from them and from Moff Gideon. He's using the Force to stop weapons from hitting Din. And even in the initial rescue, when that Dark Trooper is about to shoot Mando from point-blank range, Grogu shows up with the IG-12 suit and just says no and smashes the pistol instead of just you know, ripping the guy's head off. For a second takeaway, we'll talk about Bo-Katan. So last episode, she revealed a shameful truth, which was that she surrendered to Moff Gideon. Everybody thought that, no, she didn't necessarily surrender, but she did. She was trying to do the right thing to save her people, and instead Moff Gideon betrayed her and laid waste and everything anyway. But clearly she learned her lesson from that, not just to us by what we saw in the episode, but also to all the Mandalorians who followed her into battle. They clearly believed that she realized the error of her ways and was still the right person to lead them into this battle. And when blatantly, overtly given the opportunity to surrender by Moff Gideon, when things looked bad, she did not, and it paid off for her in the end. For a third takeaway, let's talk about the armor. So the armor has wanted to see the restoration of Mandalore and Mandalorians, just like Bo-Katan and just like Din Djarin, because Din Djarin, you know, is a part of that whole sect of Mandalorians, and he obviously had a similar goal or a similar desire. So, you know, he was a whole part of that situation. But when Din had the Darksaber, the armor wasn't like, Oh, that's great. You've got the Darksaber. You're going to be the one to rally us and get us to Mandalore. It's like she knew that he wasn't the right one. And she talked about the Darksaber not as the Excalibur-like blade that it's been treated like over the years. And she ultimately placed the bet on Bo-Katan when Bo-Katan showed up, and it was the right bet to make. She saw something in Bo-Katan that Bo couldn't even really see in herself, that potential for uniting the different tribes of Mandalore. And 
you know, the whole Darksaber thing too, that I guess brings me to my fourth takeaway, which is seeing the Darksaber smashed was definitely a very shocking moment. However, I also think it was a very fitting moment as well because it was kind of like Dumbo's feather for Bo-Katan. She had been focusing all of her attention on that sword as the thing that would make her be seen by all Mandalorians as the rightful heir to the throne, but it really wasn't about the Darksaber after all. The real power was in Bo-Katan's ability to unite the tribes and having the armorer speak up for her in that regard certainly helped and Bo-Katan herself realizing that they were stronger together that's also another situation that she had to come to and realize that it wasn't about the Darksaber because she even talked about this earlier in the season how Mandalorians spent so much time you know at each other's throats basically so this whole journey for her about you know coming to realize that they were stronger together and also not needing this symbol of the Darksaber but letting her be the symbol of it that was a great journey overall. But what about the guy who the show is ostensibly about, Din Djarin? <laughs> so for our fifth takeaway, I'll point out the fact that he never even wanted to be the ruler of Mandalore in the first place. The fact that he got this Darksaber thing, like he didn't want it to begin with. All he wanted to do was continue to be a bounty hunter and make his living and support his local covert. Well, now he doesn't have to support his local covert because they are back on Mandalore and can take care of themselves. Now he's free to do what he wants to do. And he's stepped up his level of commitment to Grogu, not only training him, not only being a clan of two, but actually adopting him as his son, which I guess... <laughs> And just saying that when you're in the minds of Mandalore, that's all you need to do. You don't necessarily need to do the requisite paperwork or anything like that. So that's really convenient. And apparently it's a required thing for Mandalorians to take their apprentices or slash adopted children on adventures. And it perfectly sets up whatever is going to happen in Mandalorian Season 4 because now they can go after bounties. Although I really don't know where he's going to put... <laughs> people that he captures for bounties you know in his n1 starfighter like where are they going to be stashed it's kind of like he's got the midlife crisis hot rod and now he's going to realize that eh, maybe it's not that practical for the adventures going forward so we, who knows we might end up seeing a different ship in the near future ultimately though like i said din was perfectly satisfied being a bounty hunter and just being helpful he has done his bit for king and country and now he gets to go back to his quote-unquote normal life but obviously grander things are going to call which will probably be the subject matter for season four for a sixth takeaway i'll say i think moff gideon is still alive there's no body for one thing and for another thing whereas din Djarin and bo katan would have been totally with that inferno because they have you know mandalorian armor that has exposures in the joints and whatnot moff gideon's mech suit doesn't necessarily have that it is mechanized it was enhanced and it was you know fully best card like even you know his gloved hand was able to smash the dark saber so yes he was better protected than Bo and din were so i have every reason to think that he survived that conflagration and for a seventh and final takeaway, I will say that this episode had possibly the best action sequences of 
any Star Wars storytelling that's been on the small screen and possibly rivaling some of the big screen stuff as well. The scenes with the Mandalorians fleeing from the capital ship, jetting down to get into those gauntlet starfighters, and then the gauntlets coming down and you know dropping all of those troopers, the troopers flying in and having that crazy flying battle between the Mandos and the Commandos. I think Rick Famuyiwa and the wizards at ILM and all the other effects houses that worked on this, like they did just such a spectacular job with the visuals on this episode. It was just absolutely astounding. So those are all the, the positives that I want to talk about in our seven takeaway breakdown. And yeah, we'll get, you know, not negative, but we'll, you know, look at some actual legitimate criticisms in the next few days and weeks. Well, kind of, sort of. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. And it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it. As always, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited by their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.